Hey there, it's Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, host of the Pat Miller Show. This show is for small business owners so they can make their business dreams come true. Our slogan is Don't Grow It Alone. And what you're going to hear is a broadcast of our show that's carried in 25 cities around the country. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Hope you love it. All right, let's go. America's small business conversation is on the air. It's the Pat Miller Show. One hour exclusively for entrepreneurs to work on your business, not in it. It's time to solve problems, capture opportunities, and celebrate your wins. Powered by the Idea Collective small business community. This is the Pat Miller Show. Now your host, Pat Miller, the Idea Coach. Okay, welcome into the show. We're starting this show with a big announcement. I'm excited to announce a new event. The Idea Collective's Small Business Rebellion Chicago, presented by Relay Bank. It's an in-person event on Saturday, August 19th, and our keynote speaker, Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and he joins us now. Mike, can't wait to see you in August. How are you today? Welcome to the Pat Miller Show. It's awesome. It's awesome to see you, brother. I'm so glad you're coming to the event in August, and I can't wait to see everything that you're going to bring to the table. This entire event is presented by Relay Bank, and you're going above and beyond the ordinary keynote. Normally, it's the keynote speaker comes in and does their thing, and then they leave. But you're going to do a VIP lunch. You're going to deliver two keynotes. So what can we expect from you at the Rebellion event? Well, don't expect me to cook the lunch. Uh, <laughs> because then everyone would leave right afterwards. But um, what you can expect is, is we're gonna tackle, it's interesting, you're sharing that statistic that 50% of businesses fail. There's another statistic that's not talked about as much. It's the 50% that survive. 80% or more of those 50%, so the majority of the people who survive are living check to check, constant panic. The, the businesses become this anchor around their neck. And that's what we're gonna fix. That's why I'm coming to the event. For the business owners who are in this constant purgatory in their business and are frustrated and exhausted, where the dream has become a nightmare. When I do events um, in keynote or whatever, and I do these informal surveys by a show of hands, I found out, Pat, that people start their businesses in general for two reasons, and usually both combined. The first reason is for personal freedom. I want to do what I want when I want. The other reason is financial freedom. I don't ever want to worry about bills. And it's ironic in a very perverted way that the two things we dreamt of never happen. Most businesses, the entrepreneur does not have personal freedom. They are entrapped by the business. They work their tail off. They sacrifice everything but the family, sleep, and they don't experience financial freedom. They experience experience impoverishment. They're, They're struggling check by check. So we're going to resolve both. And I think the foundation is financial freedom. Until we have a financial assurity, we know where we're going confidently and we see the money accumulating, we won't give ourselves the freedom to start uh, working less to drive more results. The ticket to financial freedom that I've experienced firsthand, my wife, Abby, and her photography business has experienced firsthand, is the Profit First system. It's a relatively simple concept, but it makes such a big difference. 
we get to hear the entire Prophet First keynote, which is like magic. So when you explain <laughs> this to someone for the first time, what are some of the things that makes them go, oh, I, I never thought of it that way? I think the key reason Prophet First is so successful with small business owners and, and even larger is that the goal is not to change who you are. It's to channel who you already are. So the traditional approach to financial management is through accounting documents and accounting systems. We have to read the financial statements. We have to know the metrics, the KPIs, and all those types of things, which I am not diminishing the importance of those things, but it is not in synchronicity with how we work. Most entrepreneurs, and I've also done this through informal surveys, will uh, do what I call bank balance accounting. We log into our bank account. We see how much money is there. And if there's money, we spend it. If we don't, panic ensues and we try to sell. Well, that's our natural tendency. What Profit First is, is a system that intercepts. I call it a behavioral intercept. It intercepts the natural behavior. We set the system literally at your bank. And Relay, the online banking platform, is ideal for this. It intercepts us. So every time we log into our bank account, before we spend a dime, the money has been allocated to its intended use. So you know what it's, it's there for. Another behavioral tendency we, have, tendency we have is it's called the primacy effect. The next immediate thing in front of us is the most important thing. If I'm, if I'm feeling angry today, I think I'm always angry. If I'm joyous, everything's always wonderful and joyous. If there's a lot of money, we think, ah, oh, I have a lot of money to spend on whatever is next available. And this is going to be the new standard. When there's new money, no money, panic ensues. Well, if we pre-allocate money to its intended use, when a $1,000, for example, deposit comes in, we used to think we had $1,000 to spend on the next thing. But we'll carve up this money to its intended use so that we know some has been assured for profit, some has been secured for the pay of the owner themselves, our tax liabilities that will come. And then money will be left over for other things that we want. And it makes sure that every time we're making purchases or spending money, it's within the reasonable range that can maintain a sustainable company. But there's other behavioral aspects too. The biggest component is you are going to take your profit first. That starts building the muscle. You'll start seeing that a business of any size, you could do 50,000 in revenue. You could do 500,000 in revenue. You could do 5 million or 50 million. Any business of any size can become permanently profitable by their next deposit. And that's what I'm going to teach at the event. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First and many other books. He's the keynote speaker for the new Idea Collective Small Business Rebellion Chicago event presented by Relay Bank, August 19th in Palatine, Illinois, right outside O'Hare. It's like you could practically walk from O'Hare. It's so convenient. So let's talk about Relay Bank because they're the presenting sponsor of the event and they're now the official banking platform for Profit First. Yes. What does that mean and why is that special? So... Interestingly, the biggest impedance to people implementing Profit First was setting it up at a bank. I have countless stories of people going to their existing bank saying, my banker laughed at me that I want to set up multiple accounts. We don't do that. There was these fees being assessed. And so many entrepreneurs who could have got started with Profit First abandoned it on day one. And that's such a shame. They had to seek out a different bank or something like that. Well, I've been in contact with Relay over the last few years. And behind the scenes, me, my team and I with Relay have been developing the platform to work in perfect um, synchronicity with the books system. So built from the ground up is how Relay approached their profit-first implementation. It is one-click simple, and it is the system. It's true to the system. They rolled it out in the last year, and it's been a massive success. I can't 
even count how many entrepreneurs have leapt to the platform because there's no fees. Uh, the proper system works inherently, and it's it's true to the system. Ironically, other banks have tried, without my authorization, by the way, but just tried <laughs> to support it kind of from a roundabout way and have done it wrong. Um, they 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 have certain they don't have certain rules in there that ensure the system works seamlessly. And it's been problematic for people that have gone there. So I'm just really excited about Relay because and it's my bank too now. I use them too because of how well they've integrated Profit First. It it takes the few remaining manual elements of Profit First that I implored Reasers followed on their own and it automates all of it. Mike Michalowicz is the keynote speaker for the Idea Collective Small Business Rebellion Chicago presented by Relay Bank. And the Idea Collective's message is don't grow it alone. And the way that we put our events together is about focusing on relationships and learning stuff. So I want to ask you, as someone that's you know light years ahead of many of us that are trying to build our business, can you think back to some of those relationships and the folks that you've connected with over the years that have served you as you've grown your business? Yeah. And, and let me just put a little asterisk here. I'm definitely not light years ahead of anyone. <laughs> uh, I Because I, I think that's misconstrued that some people say, oh, you, you know a lot more than me. I know different than some people, and those people know different than me. And the lesson is that there is value from everyone in these groups. So what I do when I war- work with any collective is I don't judge people based upon the size of their business or the time they've been in business. What I do is what what can I learn from them? I invoke curiosity. I think that's the best part of a collective. I've been in a variant or a form of one ever since I started my first business over, I'm now approaching almost 30 years ago. And what I found is when I can get insights from other people, particularly who are not emotionally attached to my business, those are the most valuable. There's no way I can peel out my emotion from my business. And that is absolutely biasing my decision-making. I don't think it is, but I know it is. When I have other people giving insights I look for common threads of what is the truthful answer when emotion is detracted or removed, and then I can make the most prudent decision for my business. Businesses do struggle, and it's nice to know that you're not alone. When I go home to my family, my friends, they don't own businesses. They don't get it. The second you make $100,000 in business, they think you're taking home (laughs) $100,000. No, I don't have any money, but they don't get it. But I love collectives and that we can cry on each other's shoulders, we can understand each other, and we can support each other to move to the next level. The Idea Collective Small Business Rebellion Chicago, presented by Relay Bank. It's coming on August 19th, and we get to see the man, Mike Michalowicz, in person. Mike, thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you in August. A pleasure, brother. Good seeing you, Pat. America's Small Business Conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Krista Morrissey for Choices Coaching and Consulting. Do you know where most small businesses go wrong? They invest in everything except their leaders. But through strong leaders comes strong business. Are you doing it wrong? Most small businesses focus on production and numbers. Production and numbers come through strong, resilient leaders. And strong leaders strengthen culture. They strengthen your resiliency and they strengthen your bottom line. I developed strong, resilient leaders who will drive your business. It is time for you to refocus your investment. Go to choicescoachingconsulting.com and let's you and I start the conversation now before someone else invests in your leaders. When you invest in your leaders, you invest in the bottom line of your business. Connect with Krista at choicescoachingconsulting.com. Act now. 
Krista at ChoicesCoachingConsulting.com. Are you a woman who needs to protect and grow your business? Or do you have a secret dream to start one? I bet you do. If you don't have a lawyer on your side, you may be putting your family and personal assets at risk. I know, I know. You might be avoiding lawyers because they seem overwhelming or intimidating. That's why you have to meet the team at Athena Legal Solutions, LLC.com. This all-woman team of talented lawyers are the most approachable, knowledgeable, and friendly team you'll ever meet. They exist solely to support women business owners who often go without the legal support they truly need. In 2023, they want to help 223 women create a solid legal foundation for their business. The first 100 women who mention this ad will receive over $100 off of their LLC starter package. Visit Athena Legal Solutions, LLC.com. Now, America's Small Business Conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to The Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation, and we're going to talk about something that I know you've thought about. Oh, no, Pat, I haven't thought about it. No, I know you've thought about it. We all have a book inside of us. We see that idea that someday I'm going to be a published author. So how do you go about doing that? It's a separate conversation to talk about the book writing and the discipline it takes to do that. But if you were to write a book, getting it out into the world might not be as complex as you think. And we have someone who's literally done it to come on and share the strategy. Chuck Cope Inspire, we've had him on the show before. Great guest, marketing strategist and founder of Identity Pending. Chuck, great to see you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Pat. I'm I'm excited to chat with you again. Since our well, first conversation was the first time we ever met. Yeah, that's true. Like we had never connected until you came on the show and mm-hmm. now we're old pals. Okay. So first of all, before we talk about how to publish a book, you have a book. So mm-hmm. Tell us all about the book that you've brought to the world. Uh, so this, I'll, I'll show a little picture. It's called A Pocket Full of Seeds. This is the author advanced copy, so I can fill it up with red marks and, and edit it. But um, it's basically, I knew I wanted to write a business book, but I didn't know how to self-publish. But I had all this poetry. So I was like, oh, I'll just publish all of the poetry I've ever written as a practice before I published my business book just to see if I can self-publish. And it turned out that all I needed was like Canva and Google Docs for the most part and um, some time and and someone to help me like look it over. Now, wait a minute. Canva and Google Docs, because when I think about publishing, I think about agents and publishing houses and arguing with editors and trying to get people's attention and Amazon. And just it's just the thought of it is so overwhelming. So I want to break this down. So Mm -hmm. first of all, good on you for testing to make sure that you knew how the system works. So that's just inspirational in and of itself. But you've got the book done. What did you do first? Walk us through this process of self-publishing our own book. Well, first, uh, I went on Amazon KDP, and I just wanted to see what do they even need from me. And I found out they need a PDF for the cover and a PDF of all the interior pages. And so I was like, well, I know how to make a PDF. Um, So I even like before I even created the real cover, I used their cover creator just to like get the layout and understand, oh, you know, what are the key pieces I'm going to need to get together? So I almost like uh, created the MVP of a book by just uploading the simplest version. And I was like, OK, I have a three page book. It started as a as an 80 <laughs> page. It started as 80 pages. It's now 350, which is a little wow. crazy. Wow. Uh, it feels nice and thick, which is very satisfying. Um, but yeah, I basically just 
you know, created the simplest version of it I could on KDP and then uh, Kindle Direct Publisher and then um, just built from there and sort of added. So by the time you knew how it worked, did that energize you to make it bigger and more robust as you went? How did it go from 80 to 350? I mean, I don't know if there's any other artists listening to this, but I think sometimes you just get like taken by an idea and it becomes an obsession. Like I didn't sleep. I just I could I just I couldn't do anything but work on this book. And I just became obsessed with it being done. And um, I think once I realized I could do it, I wanted to challenge myself to finish it because sometimes I'll start something with a personal project and I won't get it done. But I just I felt like this was the time. I'm ready to have it out. And it just wanted to be here. So I had to like meet that future self that is an author uh, by doing it. And before I ask another question, let's make sure we understand what you said was KDP. Is that what you said it was? It's it's Kindle Direct Publishing through Amazon. So that gives us the chance to upload our content in a PDF. And then if someone orders it, it's like directly printed or do you have to buy advanced copies? How does that work? So you can actually pre-sell uh, an ebook. You don't even have to write it. You just upload a cover and say, I'm going to write a book. Who wants it? Um, so you can pre-sell an ebook. Or if you're going to have a phys- physical book like I do, um, you can order your own copies for super cheap. I think mine is like $4 a copy. And so if I want to have like a stack of books to sell in person or, or hand out around town, I can do that. But it is print on demand and I can decide how much of a cut I want after Amazon takes their cut. So it's it's kind of a choose your own adventure for how much you want to make. You could even, you know, do a self-liquidating book funnel and make like no money on it if you just wanted to get coaching clients through your book. So you're saying if you're a speaker or a coach, you could put all of your thoughts into a book, have it break even, but it's a lead magnet or a way that you could go out and engage people to build your coaching practice. And that's part of what inspired me too, is I had bought into so many book funnels and got a lot out of them. And I was like, well, I want to make one of those. Um, And I felt as a consumer, that a physical book was so much more valuable to me than like a 20 page PDF that I wanted people to have that tangible experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I just decided to give it a go. I can build a funnel. So why not just make a book? So we write the book, we uploaded it to Kindle, then we get this opportunity to have it printed out in our hands. Mm-hmm. Now let's turn on your marketing strategy hat. So we have this tool. If someone's listening, This is the second part of it. It's no good to do self-publishing if you don't have people to give it or sell it to. How would you suggest someone take the book and take it out to the masses? So here are the three ways that I'm doing it. Uh, One is I have created a whole new Instagram for it, and I'm publishing snippets of the book automatically because I do content automation. So I just scheduled a year's worth of content out that's related to my book. Anybody can find it, and then maybe they'll click on the link and get there. Um, The other way is I host a local open mic. So I am creating community around poetry, and my books will be there available for purchase in person if you want one. And then, um, yeah, like you said, I'm probably going to build a book funnel, which I could use to, uh, I could run paid ads to it. I could send my organic content from social there. Um, Or I could even just hoof it. I could go around to bookstores, independent bookstores around and say like, hey, I got five copies. I see lots of other local authors in stores and coffee shops around here. So the thing I always say is, why not me? I love that. Why not me? So if someone's listening and they've got a professional book inside of them, uh, what would you tell them? I would say 
that no one else who is published deserves it any more or less than you do. That's what I always tell myself. There's no, no difference between me and any other published person other than the fact that they took the steps to be published. And if you need support, get a friend. I had my assistant help me scan all the images in this book because I knew I was going to procrastinate on that until the book was never done. So if there's something that's like a hitch for you, just just hire a friend or an assistant. Call, call in some help to get over that last little hump because if this is a dream you have, Something my coach always says is you wouldn't have the dream if it wasn't meant for you. Wow, that's really great. So when do we get the professional Chuck book? What's going on here? Well, so as you know, Pat, I'm uh, I started a podcast called the Anti-Professional Podcast, and that's actually the podcast is just research for my book called Anti-Professional, where we're dismantling concepts of professionalism that keep all kinds of people out of the business space because we don't see people with you know throat tattoos and purple hair or disabilities or or whatever. We don't see enough representation of diverse leadership, and so Anti-Professional is basically to break down why that concept uh, is holding us back. Um, professionally and as like a whole culture um because we need more people to take up space uh so that will be out i don't know i have like 20 episodes of the podcast and then i have to like listen to them again i I would say maybe a year (laughs) it's gonna be a A ways out yeah Uh, it's gonna be great when it's done this has been really educational and helped a lot of people if you're sitting on a book you really have no excuse not to put pen to paper or keystrokes to a screen and get this thing out in the world. Chuck Copenspire, marketing strategist and founder of Identity Pending. Thanks for coming back on the Pat Miller Show. Great to talk with you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Your business is growing. You've had some virtual assistance and maybe even some part-time help, but things are going so well, it's finally time to pull the trigger and hire a full-time employee. If you're like me, that sounds super overwhelming, but we've got someone that's gonna help you think it through and help you find the courage and the confidence to pull the trigger and add someone to your team. Coming up on the show, we're gonna talk to one of our friends, Andy Wines, about hiring your first full-time employee. It's not that scary, and we'll learn about it next on The Pat Miller Show. America's Small Business Conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. You're an expert in your own field, so why not take it to the next level and get paid for it? Hi, I'm Wendy Babcock. My three-day paid speaking boot camp is your ticket to turning what you know into real income. No matter if it's an audience of five people or 500, or if you don't have books, services, products, or programs to sell, even if you're not a celebrity or even well-known, Wendy's online paid speaking boot camp will give you the skills to always get paid for speaking no matter what. Keynote speakers get paid anywhere from $2,500 to $7,500. At my intensive three-day boot camp, you'll not only build your speaking skills, you'll also learn where to find and how to book speaking gigs. The next boot camp is June 27th through 29th. Register now at paidspeakingbootcamp.com and you'll also get lifetime access to Wendy's weekly speaker support hour, an exciting forum to get answers and unlock still more secrets to getting paid for speaking every time you step on stage, no matter what. Register now at paidspeakingbootcamp.com. Paidspeakingbootcamp.com. Now, America's Small Business Conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. One of the biggest days for every entrepreneur, hopefully, is when they add someone to the team so they don't have to do everything by themselves. And on today's episode of the show, we're bringing on an expert because he's done it. Up one side and down the other. Welcome back to the show. Speaker, author, 
operations and systems expert, my pal, Andy Wines. Andy, thanks for coming back on the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? We're doing good, Pat. Appreciate how you having me. Absolutely. Always great when you come back. And I love this conversation because so many people are this close to pulling the trigger and adding a team member, like a full-on employee. And in your businesses, you've hired, fired, and promoted. So give someone a scope and a scale here. How many people have you employed in all the different businesses that you've run? Uh, 200 plus. So I've had a background in junk removal. I had franchises across the country. Uh, My highest load, I had 110 employees uh, under my care across the country at at one point. So I, I, and, and, and we started with one. So we went from one to a 110 in about a three-year period. Um, and then I've also developed teams. Uh, we, I had a rage room and I had a media company. So I've had other teams, smaller teams uh, that I've hired and, and trained and mentored along the way also. All right. Let's start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Back when you hired your first person. If someone's listening right now, they're thinking about going from zero to one. You remember that feeling what would you tell them about adding your first employee? Well, you know, I love start, stop, continue methodology of change, right? So th- this is what uh, I have stopped doing. I stopped hiring friends and family. So let's 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 start right there. Our first two employees when we were in junk removal um, was my brother's best friend and a guy that I deployed with. Those were our first two employees. And when you first start, and my brother and I were the founders of the business, and when you first start, you go where you know people. So you go to friends and family and things like that. And what I've and and, and, and it is it is it has not worked one hundred percent of the time. So there there is no longer any uh, people that are under my employ that were friends or family start with. And this includes my brother, who's no longer my business partner. Uh, there's a lot of reasons behind that. He has his own business and everything's good. And when you when you Go with friends and family. It muddies the water right off the bat. Let me ask on that. So when you hire a friend or a family member, how is the relationship different than when you hire someone off the street? Because it, it, because because you, you already have an established relationship. You're, there, there isn't the chain of command. There isn't a clear understanding of what the relationship is. So for example, we have our, our general manager uh, and now president of our company at Camel Crew. I didn't know him. He was... He was uh, um, an associate of someone I'm in the CEO roundtable with. We hired him, traditional process. Now we are friendly. Uh, I'm, I'm going to his 50th birthday party. His kids come by the office. I, they know me as Uncle Andy. My daughter knows him. We, we are friendly, <laughs> but he was an employee first. And so when, when, yeah. when, when things hit the fan, and I can't swear on this program, when things hit the fan and we go back to our, <laughs> our subconscious brain, we go back subconsciously to, okay, employer-employee relationship. He's the president. He'll have equity someday. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it is very clearly defined who, who's who's in charge. Okay, so don't hire friends and family members. What's another mistake that you've made while building out your career? Don't hire you. Like, I'm awesome. We don't need another Andy. We are. We are. We, we've hit our max. <laughs> no, we don't. We, we have hit our max of Andy. <laughs> well, what happens is, right, you, you at first, you hire people that uh, are like you, right? So like-minded. We talk about this in business. Hey, let's get some like-minded people in here. Well, then we have a group, we call it an echo chamber, a bunch of people saying the same things to each other. It's one of the reasons why even in our business, that's a military-based uh, company, I, I say the perfect blend is 50-50, 50% veterans, 50% civilians. Because I can tell you, when when we had about 80% veterans, we had about 12, 12 employees, nine of them were veterans, uh, the th- the three or four civilians we had, we, nothing they said mattered. 
because, right, we had this group thing going on. So don't hire like-minded. However, hire like-hearted. Hire people that care this, about the same things you care about, have a same or similar value set or the same value set as the organization, but they see the world differently because now you're going to have you know diversity of thought and you need diversity of thought to grow. Would you take someone that has a shared vision and value set over a more talented employee? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because talent is trainable. Yeah, you can train talent. I, I, I can't train value. I can't train hustle. So when, I, when, when we hire, um, the, 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 that's the other thing. When we've hired people with previous experience and, and junk removal in particular, for the most part, they have not worked out because they came in with a high skill set, but they already had established pra- you know, practices and principles. Now, when we've hired people from adjunct uh, industries, like we, we've hired people that did demo in the past or moving in the past, that's been good. Those, those people, right, they, they have a, a skill set, but then, or, and, then, and then we train them in the ways that work best for us. But I have found, and, and you can find this in a lot of research, there's a lot of companies out there, they want fresh, young talent, right? Young being subjective, young as in not a lot of industry experience. Uh, Ken, our, our, the president of our company, when he was approached, you know, he's almost 50. When he was approached about our organization, they're like, hey, junk removal. He's like, why would anyone do that? And then he came here, but he had a background in construction and recruiting and maintenance. He's like, oh, I see it, right? Because now it's about the people and the processes. The discipline is less important. So skill set, absolutely. They have to have a basic skill set, but but not necessarily specific in your industry, if that makes sense. It is, and that does. That does make sense. Let me ask about this, and I'm sure you've got some non-traditional way to go after this. How do you get after their hustle and heart in an interview? Do you have a question you like to ask? Are you observing the way that they're doing things in the process? Yeah, there, there's a lot of things you can do. There's a really good story. I, I can't recall who it was, but uh, he had two candidates, both Ivy League top end, where he took them out for dinner. Right at the end of the dinner, he, he offers one a job and he doesn't offer the other one a job. They said, well, why didn't I get the job? And he said, well, there was an engineer position, two things. He said, when the waitress came by the table, you didn't acknowledge her. The other guy did. When the steak came out, you put salt on it before trying it. The other guy tried it and then put salt on it, which means you already thought you knew better than the other person. I, I really like that example because it's, it can be that simple. So when I sit down with people, I, I take that whenever I sit down with um, vendors and salespeople for, for lunch, I watch, how do they treat the waitress? How do they where do they sit at the table? There's things like that. And that's why during the interview process, it, it can be difficult. But hey, let's look at the basics. Did they show up on time? Were they prepared? Did they research the company? Did they research the company? Is one of the best indicators, right? Are they willing to put in the effort, right? If they expect me to read their resume, did they research our company? So there's little indicators like that that can really show the difference. Did they send a follow-up email? Hey, thanks for the time today. Things like that, the things you don't ask them to do, those can be really good indicators of, of the, the culture or the values that they, they assimilate to or understand. If you're thinking about adding an employee to the team, this conversation is for you. We're talking with Andy Wines about going from zero to one employees and more because he's hired a bunch and he's learned a lot along the way. Don't hire friends and family. Don't hire people like yourself. Heart over talent any other words of advice for someone if they're thinking about adding that first member to the team? Before even hire, know what you need. Are you hiring somebody in the business to make money? Or are you hiring someone on the business so you can go make more money? That's one of the challenges people, they hire for one and then they really want the other. So know what you need before we even get to this conversation about hiring. So let's dig in on that. Let's dig in on that. Are you saying that first hire shouldn't be to make 
your life better, it should be to drive revenue. The first hire's got to make the bigger uh, pie at the end of the day. No, I'm saying you got to know, right? Do you want to do more of the thing, right? If you say, hey, I have 20 billable hours. I'm going to hire someone so I only have 10 billable hours so I can be freed up to go do working on the business. Great. Or do you want to say, hey, I'm doing 20 billable hours and I'm not getting all this other stuff done. I want to hire them to do the operations and the marketing and all that stuff so I can stay at 20 billable hours or even 30 billable hours. Those are two very different people that you're hiring. Are they working in the business or on the business? Let's ask one last question. When we get to that point and we're ready to add that first person, it's terrifying. What would you tell someone that's scared to finally make the offer and move forward and add an employee to the team? Do the thing. It, it, you know, Jesse Cole, our good, <laughs> our good friend Jesse Cole, right? Savannah Bananas talks about run the experiment. You got to run the experiment. If you don't run the experiment, you will not know. On your deathbed, they, they interviewed hundreds and thousands of people on their deathbed. People regret what they didn't do, not what they did do. Wow. Regret. Didn't expect to talk about regret while hiring people, but I'm glad that we got there. Andy Wines, uh, speaker, keynote, uh, speaker, author, friend of the program. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Pat. We've got a problem as small business owners, and we can either ignore it or we can try and fix it. Now, you've been listening to the show. You know I want to fix it. But the problem that we're facing is that half of the folks listening to this show will see their small business fail before they get to year five. Can you believe that? Half of the small businesses in the U.S. fail by year five. And you know what? I'm not going to sit by any longer and just let that happen. So I'm leading a new event series to bring small business owners together, and you need to be there. The event series is appropriately named the Small Business Rebellion, presented by Relay Bank. It's a one-day event in Chicago, Saturday, August 19th, and look who we got. Best-selling author Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, in person for two keynotes. Real relationships, revenue, time-saving, and an event that can't be missed because we're going to change the status quo for small business owners. Learn more at smallbusinessrebellion.com. That's smallbusinessrebellion.com. America's Small Business Conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Developing your business is a journey, so make sure and bring along a trusted sidekick. As your business grows, Sidekick Accounting will be there. Sidekick Accounting's core services help take the confusion out of bookkeeping, tax preparation, and tax planning. Who's going to keep track of all those pesky receipts and invoices? Well, Sidekick Accounting has things covered as you grow your version of business success. So whether your small business is a side hustle or a conduit to freedom and owning your own business in time, get in touch with a trusted Sidekick, Sidekick Accounting. There are expert advisors waiting to hear from you now. Feel free to call or send a text message to 414-310-7689. That's 414 414- 310-7689. You can find them on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit sidekick-accounting.com. Remember, developing your business is a journey, so bring along a trusted sidekick. You have a brand. Your business's brand is one of the most important things on your plate. As a business owner, you keep up with the trends. So what's hot these days? 
It's live events. Owning your small business combined with speaking at live events positions you as the expert in your field. That's where Bankable Events comes into play. Bankable Events is an event advisory and management firm with a primary focus on maximum conversion events. With more than 4,000 live events under their belt, they have the expertise to design face-to-face events that get your audience pumped up and generate profits. The minute you partner with Bankable Events, they'll start creating a custom customized strategy to take you from idea to income. Just think of the opportunities ahead for you. Call 303-550-1123 or head to bankableevents.com. Join over 1,000 other small business owners and CEOs who use Bankable Events to build community and drive revenue. That's bankableevents.com. Now, America's small business conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to the Pat Miller Show, America's small business conversation. It's time for a celebration. You know it's my favorite part of the show because we get to hear someone win and we get reminded that winning is possible for us as well. Let's welcome our person that's celebrating, Stephanie DeSonier. She's the owner of Business by Design. Stephanie, welcome to the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? Hey, thank you so much. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm great. I love celebrating with folks because I love hearing them win. But before we understand how great your win is, we need to know just a little bit about Business by Design. Tell us what you do. Yeah. So Business by Design is a sales and production strategy consulting business. What I do is I work with makers, uh, primarily women who are looking to build their handmade business, scale to their first $50,000 revenue year, and then continue growing through their first six figures focusing on the operations, production, and sales side. Such a unique business and sorely needed too. I'm sure you're helping a lot of people. So what are we celebrating today? Yeah, I want to celebrate, uh, you know, AI has been a huge topic of conversation for months now with ChatGPT coming out. Uh, And a lot of the conversation that I had heard and a lot of my clients had heard really focused so much on how can you use it for a copy? How can you use it for social media? um, Maybe coding. And so many of my product businesses kind of felt, well, none of this applies to me. This doesn't really have anything to do with my business, maybe with the social media side. Um, But what I have uh, actually started coaching a lot of my clients on is using AI, such as ChatGPT, to actually start doing some more of that backend planning in their business, creating a revenue forecast or a production forecast just by inputting a couple pieces of information that they probably already have in their business. That's incredible. And to think it's getting uh, that wide into the marketplace that someone that is uh, knitting or doing ceramics or whatever they might be doing, they're getting the power of AI to help plan and build their business. So during this coaching program, you mentioned planning. Can you give us another couple of examples of the types of things you're showing people Uh, how to unlock AI for their business? Yeah. When we talk about planning, for instance, a lot of my clients really need to know um, to hit their revenue goal, how much do they need to be actually producing and selling each month? Because most of them are solopreneurs, they're doing it on their own. So they don't have expanded capacity. You know, they're not a larger scale manufacturer with two or three shifts. And so one thing we do is we say, my products are priced at $10 a piece, for instance. I'm looking to hit a revenue goal of $50,000 this year. Uh, my average event, I bring in $700. I'm doing four events a month with six events, June through September, for instance. And so we put that information in 
and it goes based on this, you are going to need to produce and sell X amount of product each month in order to hit your revenue goal. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it thinks it all out. And I'm sure you could continue to prompt it for how much raw material I need, how many hours I'd have to spend. Is that some of the further prompting you do? Yeah, exactly. So then you can say, okay, based on this, um, you know, it takes me three hours, for instance, three hours to make 40 candles. So how many hours do I need to allocate each month in order to make the amount of candles necessary to hit this revenue goal? Uh, so you can really break it down super granular. Uh, another thing I've started to encourage my clients to do is put any industry data that we have in. So um, we can easily get information on what the industry forecast is for home goods this year. So based on home goods, we expect to see that increase. So take that into account when you're building in a forecast for me. Um, it's it's really easy to, to really start diving in and pulling different bits of information to create something that's very specific to their business in very little time. Can you think of a time when you coached someone on using AI and it unlocked something they didn't realize, something that changed the course of their business because they went, oh, I didn't know that that was happening or, oh, I didn't realize I was undercharging the market. Can you think of an example like that? Yeah, I have a really great example of this, and it's actually less on the analytical side, and it's more on the sales side. A lot of my clients really struggle with product descriptions and their sales pages on their websites, for instance. And one of the tricks I taught my client is um, we went through and we looked for not necessarily a bad review, but a review that had some negatives um, about their product. They sell these little two-ounce candles, and someone's like, well, it feels really small. And so we went to chat GPT and we said, take this customer statement and shift it into a positive and talk about the benefits and overcome the objections of buying a small candle. So we were able to take what was a negative, what they were really taking to heart is why am I making these candles? People hate them. They're too small. We're like, okay, but wait, what if we talked about how awesome small candles are and what are the reasons people would buy it? And that A, it completely shifted their mindset, but then they're like, okay, well, what else can I have it say about my products? And so their whole product description and listing online has completely changed because of that. That is some Jedi mind trick stuff. <laughs> was the was the maker fired up after seeing that happen? Yes, they were so excited. Like to hear that this thing was putting out this, like this positive feedback on their product, um, even though they know it's a computer program, but to hear like all these positive things about their candles come out and they're like, oh, no, wait, it could actually be really cool. We're talking with Stephanie DeSonier, the owner of Business by Design, and she's released AI coaching for makers and her clients. It's really exciting. While we have a minute left here on the show, is there a prompt or a best practice or something that everyone might be able to use to start unlocking those first few steps into AI that you would recommend? Yeah, the first thing to keep in mind is you have to be specific. Everyone has heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out, and that works for AI as well. So I recommend if you're coming in to ask it a question, first understand what your goal is. What are you trying to achieve? Make sure that's clear. Also, be very clear on who your audience is. Don't don't just say it's you know for people on Facebook. Say it's you know for um, for instance, I say it's for women who are making products out of their homes by themselves, looking to hit fifty thousand dollars, primarily candle, bath products, um, and pottery. And so, target your messaging specifically to this type of person. So, getting very very clear on what your goal is and who you're trying to talk to when you're putting inputs in. Even though you're using it all the time, 
you would agree with me. It is kind of creepy and cool how much it can specialize your copy, isn't it? Super creepy. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I can even, uh, I like to prompt it to rewrite my copy in the voice of Drew Barrymore sometimes just for <laughs> Oh, that's great. I'd like to tell the story of one time uh, I actually had a conversation with Steve Jobs, and it was kind of eerie how well it was reflecting what he believed. I had him read a bunch of my copy and critique it as though it were Steve Jobs. It did a remarkable job. The opportunity to use ChatGPT and the other AI tools can really transform every industry, and to hear that makers are using it, uh, it's just really cool. Stephanie Disson, your owner of Business by Design, uh, teaching folks how to use AI better. Congratulations on your success, and thanks for coming on The Pat Miller Show. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. America's Small Business Conversation is out of time for this week. I'm your host, Pat Miller, the Idea Coach. Quick reminder, sometime this weekend, make sure to hit up smallbusinessrebellion.com. That's smallbusinessrebellion.com and learn about our brand new one-day event where we are bringing in small business owners in Chicago. We'd love to see you there. We'll see you right here next week. Thanks for listening to The Pat Miller Show. See patmillershow.com for more information on today's guests, events, and the Idea Collective small business community. A worldwide group working together to fight fear, inexperience, and isolation for small business owners everywhere. Join us next week for The Pat Miller Show. And remember, get clear, work hard, and never quit. Guests on the Pat Miller Show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk. No part of the show should replace accounting, tax, or legal advice.